Blog Talk Radio.
lies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. Sam D. 
is uh, going to be putting up a show on associations. That's the things that you can do that we can all do to make sure that we are, uh, I don't know how the best way to put this is. Sam, you can jump in and help at any time here. But how to how we can work toward making our governments more local, more low-level, more local, which is the only way we're going to get ourselves out of the mess that we've gotten into. And I believe that's going to be that's on the 6th, Sam, December 6th. I'm not December, January 6th. Anyway, I believe that's what it's going to be. But tonight we'll be talking with uh, with uh, Matt Sexton to tell everybody that I think that uh, this last year in uh, Appleseed was a very productive one. We made a uh, we turned out a lot of new Appleseed folks, and I know that it seems like at times it's getting harder. And this this year especially. It was a hard year. I mean, there's no bones about it. This year was a hard year because we had the shootings at the uh, end of the last year, and those shootings uh, brought about uh, a big change in the availability of ammunition. All of a sudden, ammunition, uh, especially 22 long rifle, that uh, you've been, been getting uh, at maybe a buck and a half or $2 a box, uh, I know that uh, I was buying the 550 packs for about uh, $18 for 550 rounds. Uh, and those shot up to uh, unbelievably high prices. I remember at one point I saw on one of the auction sites a box of 50 rounds of 22 long rifle for $50. $50 for one little 50-round box of 22 long rifles. That's the, the same box that used to cost 65 cents when I was a kid. When I could scrape together 65 cents, I could get a box of the 22 long rifles, and uh, and then I could spend, uh, you know, a couple of hours practicing my craft uh, of shooting, and uh, and for it to go to $50 to a dollar round was was absolutely crazy. And because the ammunition was so expensive, a lot of people could not afford to come to an apple seed. They couldn't afford to go to apple seeds because they couldn't, first of all, at least in the very beginning, they couldn't find any ammunition. There was no ammunition that was available. Then, uh, once it became available, it was so expensive that, that people couldn't afford it. Even if they were infinite with somebody that was shooting uh, for basically for free at an event, they couldn't afford the uh, the seventy or eighty or ninety bucks that it cost them for the five hundred rounds of uh, twenty two long rifle, and uh, and it's been rough. It's been rough, but we're finally starting to see some of the prices uh, going back down to. And I doubt it'll ever be normal prices or what we would what we call pre-shooting uh, prices, uh, it is getting uh, more available. And hopefully at some point uh, it, will, it, will get to, it will get to the point where 
where they have to lower the prices if they're going to sell it. So that's what we're hoping for. Until then, do your best. Uh, keep pushing the program. Keep pushing Appleseed. Remember that uh, we can do library seeds uh, almost anywhere, and it doesn't cost the folks anything to do it. And remember that at the, at the very base of the program, that's what Appleseed is about. Appleseed is not about shooting. Uh, that's just a fun uh, part of what we do. Appleseed is about getting the message out to American citizens. The obligation to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, that is the responsibility of each and every American citizen. It's a non-delegatable obligation. Uh, it's an open-ended obligation, which means that you, you have never paid your debt. You have never done enough that you could sit back and let somebody else do it. Uh, and it's a non-delegatable responsibility. That means you can't say, well, you know, my, my, my dad, he's the one that's uh, more into politics. I'm going to let him take care of that. I'm going to let him worry about that or the, or, or the guy uh, down the road or, or my lawyer or, uh, or my neighbor or, and certainly not our senators and our congressmen, right? We certainly can't leave it up to them because they're part of the main reasons that we're in this uh, mess that we're in now uh, in the first place. It's up to each and every one of us to do whatever we can to ensure that the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, that they remain safeguarded. Now, I don't, I don't think that the country is beyond help. I don't think that the country is, has already sunk below the waves. But I think that we're at a very dangerous time in our nation's history. I think that the folks who have written the Constitution, who crafted our, the documents that run our nation, did such an absolutely fantastic job at it that our country was able to coast along uh, for a couple of hundred years without too much of a problem. But it needs some, some maintenance now, and the folks to do it are us. We are the folks that need to do it. And I don't want you to think that, that it's such a large problem that what are, you, what, you, what are you, one person, going to do about it? Because you, the one person, that's exactly, you're exactly the person that we need to safeguard the rights and freedoms of this nation. You, each and every one of you guys out there. The list of things that have been done right, the list of things that have been done to save our nation, there is a huge amount of those that have been done by individuals, and not by individuals uh, who have some type of special uh, doctorate uh, degree in saving the country. Uh, the majority of the work that's been done to safeguard our rights and freedoms has been done by regular, everyday individuals who decided that they were, going to, they were going to make a difference, that they were going to do something to make a difference, and they did. So don't, don't ask or don't think 
that you as an individual can't do anything because you as an individual are exactly the right person for this. All right. Uh, I want to... uh, I want to bring on our guest tonight. Uh, is uh, has been uh, working as a uh, Knox County Sheriff's Deputy Detective and SWAT member uh, for almost uh, two decades now, and I'm sure that he's seen uh, just about every crime uh, out there that uh, can be committed. And uh, he's going to talk to us tonight about uh, the things that we can do. Uh, to help improve our odds, uh, our own uh, home defense, our home safety, our own personal defense uh, while we're at home and then while we're out and about. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Thank you very much. I, I want to tell you thank you for taking the time out uh, out of your out of your shift this evening. And, and if you guys hear a bunch of uh, sirens, and uh, you hear Matt's uh, phone hanging up. It's because he's on duty right now, and he's gonna, he's <laughs> he's been gracious enough to uh, to give us some of his time. Tell us a little bit about uh, about how you got to where you are now, Matt. A little bit of history about yourself, and and how you got to be in the position that you're in. Uh, well, Michael, it was uh, it was one of those things to where uh, I had gotten married young, and. Uh, had a uh, had a son and knew it was time to buckle down and get a, get good insurance and I needed a job <laughs> and so uh, I kind of got into uh, law enforcement via a friend and uh, and basically fell in love with it. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where you know being a, being a servant, uh, whether it's a public servant you know in your local community or being a servant through uh, you know joining uh, joining the military uh, to serve the country. Uh, it has to be something that uh, to be to be good at it, to be passionate about it, is something that that uh, uh, you know you're you're I think that you're born to be. And so, um, you know, 19 years later, uh, here I am. And so, uh, I've loved it. And uh, there's been highs and lows, but you know that's that's life. And you push through, and and you go on and help the next person. So you didn't uh, you didn't start out as uh, as a kid, saying, "All right, I'm whenever I when I grow up, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be the, uh, the county sheriff for the cops and robbers." You 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 kind of got into it sideways by saying, "I need some good insurance." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I you know I didn't. Uh, you know, obviously, growing up during that time, I played cops and robbers and everything, and and uh, I, I grew up a military family, and. Uh, I ended up going to college and and obviously not my first year not doing well in college and and I going straight to the workforce instead. Uh, so that's when I uh, obviously had a son and decided to be a daddy instead of being shipped off somewhere. Uh, so it's you know it's just uh, it's one of those things to where uh, I believe that it's it's meant to be you know. Right, and you started off uh, with the not Kenny or. I don't see started off, but you were working with the SWAT uh, early on, right? That's correct. I did. I did uh, eight and a half years uh, of SWAT, and uh, and was uh, retired here recently, and so uh, and just been as busy ever since. So 
Uh, I miss it at times, but I don't. I don't miss uh, getting called out at at uh, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, and it's eight degree weather, and <laughs> getting woke up out of a warm, toasty bed. Uh, right. I, I do. You know, I do miss the uh, the camaraderie with all the guys. I still get to see all them and stuff, but uh, more concentrated now on on uh, major crimes. Uh, what I'm currently doing. Right, and let's talk about that for a second, because uh, obviously over the last couple of decades, you you have witnessed, I'm sure, just about probably just about every crime that can be committed. Uh, I'm sure you guys have had come through there. I was just looking at your your 24-hour uh, arrest record uh, from the Knox County website, and there was a lot more arrests in the 24 hours than I would have expected. So there was uh, <laughs> there was a lot of them. So. I don't know if that was just a, a, a that's a regular day there, but uh, there was a lot of arrests there. So you've seen a, a great deal of crimes, and and I know that uh, from statistics we know that uh, about 50% of the crimes happen uh, at places other than the home. But then that tells us that 50 crimes are going to happen in your home. Now, there's not a lot you can do about things like, uh, I don't know, your, like your wife trying to feed you rat poison and stuff like that. There's, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do about that. And then, right. and of course, if you're in a, if you're in some type of abusive relationship, then you need to seek uh, counseling and guidance to to remove yourself from that situation. But other than those two. Uh, there are a lot of things that uh, folks can do to help prevent crimes in their homes. And I've talked to the listeners uh, quite a bit about this, but but just like starting with the, the basics, uh, what would you recommend to folks to the, the very at the very bottom of the of the level? Uh, what would you recommend to folks to, to start off with with keeping their homes safe? Michael, it's a little thing uh, that we've we formed the acronym of uh, CEPTED, C-P-T-E-D, which is Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. Uh, a, a lot of businesses, uh, a lot of uh, malls, strip malls, uh, have gone to this, this form of, of crime uh, deterrent. And, uh, you know, not a lot was shared with us um, as, far as, as far as for around the home. And uh, and there, you know, that's that's one of the things too that that I push out with my company, uh, that I push out with with uh, you know a lot of the uh, the the day clinics that that we put on uh, for women for for spouses and everything uh, that just show as far as you know trying to keep themselves safe around the house, uh, trying to keep themselves safe when they're going to and from the vehicle. Uh, you know, one one of our biggest things that, that I try to push. Is uh, is obviously with one thing with, is lighting. Uh, you know, make sure that you have good lighting around your house. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of the uh, the uh, the crime shots nowadays in the paper, on the news, and stuff, you have these overhead closed circuit TV cameras. Well, what's the guy going to do? Uh, you know, he's going to put a hat on and pull it down a little bit. Well, right. You know, it, here in Tennessee, you probably have. You know six or seven guys out of ten guys that are that wearing a ball cap. And so everybody wears ball caps nowadays. Um, so, uh, 
you know, bad guys don't want to get noticed. They don't want they don't want people to notice their face, see what they look like, uh, and so they don't like the dark. You know, they they I mean they uh, they want the dark. They don't like the lighting. Right. Right. Uh, and so so make sure you have good lighting around your house. Um, one of my good friends uh, had uh, had a uh, some closed circuit TV cameras put in around this around his house, and actually caught. Uh, because of his cameras, actually caught uh, the, uh, the 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 bad guys that broke into his neighbor's house. So you know they burglarized the neighbor's house. Well, because of my friend's close circuit TV cameras, just the way they're positioned, uh, caught the description of the person and the type of vehicle that they were in. And so you know those help. Uh, you know not necessarily real time, but those those help as far as the aftermath of something in case something like that does happen. Uh, so close, close uh, circuit TV cameras, uh, you know, I'll definitely push. Uh, my main thing that I've seen in the past um, as far as in neighborhoods, the ones that, that had a, a serious problem with burglaries, uh, most all the ones uh, got hit that did not have a dog, uh, you know, and uh, – Obviously, nowadays, you know, a lot of people do have dogs and they bark and everything. But, uh, you know, I grew up, I had a 120-pound uh, golden retriever that everybody knew. But around our neighborhood, every house around us got got uh, broke into, but ours and the neighbor two doors up who also had a dog. And so, right. you know, people apparently don't, dogs people are don't a big want to take a chance on a dog. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they don't want to take exactly a chance right. on, a, on a dog being there. And then the dog, even if it's a uh, golden retriever, you know, which are like the least likely dogs in America to bite, most sure. people, uh, they still don't want, they don't want the dog, they're still going to alert, you know, by barking. Now, you mentioned lighting a while ago, and that's something that I, I really push on folks. And now there is a, a lot of great products out now. Uh, and they've gotten less expensive over the years, but you can get now you can get the LED uh, motion detecting lights, and you can install right. those like in you know around your home. And it's great because uh, you know they come on whenever there is any type of motion detected. Now I get folks, I tell folks to install these uh, on their front porch and uh, in front of their garage and on their back mm-hmm. door and their back porch. That way. Like if you get out of your car, uh, or right, usually right when you drive up to your home, the car driving up turns, uh, causes the uh, the lights, the outside floodlights to turn on, and that gives you a good bright, uh, you know, view of your of where you're getting ready to get out. And the same thing with walking up to your front door. You start to walk up to your door, and uh, you're 10, 15 feet away from the front door, and the lights will come on, and that way you're able to see what's at, around your front door. Right. And it'll also Absolutely. help you if you're inside. If you're inside the house, and that light pop comes on, then you know that uh, you know that something has tripped it. And usually, the, the folks that have bad intent, they you know they don't know if it's if the light came on because you flipped it on, because you heard them or you saw them, and uh, uh, you know they can, they'll take off running from that. But I'm, I try I try and tell folks that that having good lighting, like you said. Having good lighting is a really big plus to keep yourself safe because, like you said, the criminals, they want dark. They want dark, hidden places. They want to be able to, to come up to the house and, and get, 
next to that window that's shade that's in the dark right. and it's behind the bushes and, you know, be able to slip, and slip inside the house without anybody seeing them. Absolutely. That's another thing, too. I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, being around the windows and stuff. Uh, you know, you can have, and I've had the, the house that we're in now, uh, when we bought it, it had, it had large uh, bushes up close to and around the windows. Uh, that's obviously something, uh, because we're we're outdoors people, you know, and we're, uh, my wife, you know, loves gardening and, and, you know, putting out nice flowers, you know, seasonal flowers and everything. And so we had to, you know, really reposition some of the, the uh, bushes that would, you know, grow, obviously, you know, to a pretty, pretty good size where you can, uh, you know, hide next to one if a car drives by or, or whatnot. But, uh, you know, get those, those large bushes and everything, get them away from the windows, uh, you know, put them in places to where, you know, if somebody's, uh, obviously hiding next to it or something like that. It's not going to affect anything. You know, don't let it be next to the front doors. Don't let it be next to the garage doors, you know, the back doors, anything like that to where obviously someone could take you by surprise or, you know, someone could be, you know, looking in your windows and you, you not know about it. Uh, right. You, know, you just have to kind of strategically put those in the right places. That, uh, you know, when I was a kid, everybody used uh, – uh, the bushes and stuff that they use uh, up against their house were mostly those decorative, uh, oh, I don't, well, I guess it was some form of holly, but they all had thorns yes. on them. Yeah. So that, okay. uh, so, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't very good if you tried to, to squeeze through those bushes <laughs> because they were very painful. I don't sure. see those as much anymore. But, no, you know, that was a great know, idea. Right, right. And, I mean, that's why you know, we've got several uh, large you know, holly bushes to the side of our house. You know, it's one of those where it doesn't affect, you know, someone being up close or it doesn't affect, you know, being right next to one of the entrances. So. But what about, uh, what about locking doors? You know, I tell folks that one of the, you know, you have, you've got this whole, uh, you know, a pyramid of, of criminals. With uh, sure. you know at the at the very top you've got these these masterminds you know that break into museums and and federal banks and stuff like that and uh, and if one of those guys decided that he's going to get in your house he's going to get in your house there's nothing you can do to stop but down at the very right. bottom which is the the base which is almost all the the, the hugest amount of criminals uh, are the folks that uh, are very poorly skilled. Uh, and they're they're not that hard to deter, and one of the easiest ways to deter them is making sure that your doors are locked because they'll walk up to your house sure. and they'll try the door. They find the door is locked and they'll move on because they know that the next house won't be locked. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's you know that's just the the way that we do things as humans, uh, pathway of least resistance, and it's uh. You know, whatever's easiest. You know, that goes back to you know these criminals are out here, and they they'll target certain areas. Um, and and really, to be honest with you, uh, going back to you know the days when I when I was on patrol, and and you know the guys that taught me what to look for and and basically how to be a cop was you know pathway of least resistance. It's just human nature that we do that. And right. uh, you know, these guys are going to be out, and they're going to look for They're going to take their time, and they're going to look for the perfect target. 
Uh, so what do you do is use a term for being the perfect target. You know, whether it be you put the bars up on the doors, uh, which I, you know, I think, uh, you know, nowadays it's a, it's a really good idea, uh, because one thing we enjoy, uh, we enjoy leaving our door open, you know, during the, you know, when it's pretty days outside and everything. Uh, so we enjoy having the front door open and letting the sun in and everything, you know, but at the same time is, uh, we need to have that, that, uh, that door up that's secured to where somebody can't get in it if they walk right up to it. And so, you know, that's just one of those things, you you know, just deter people. You know, they're going to try to get in, that's fine. Well, it's going to take them that extra couple of minutes to get in. In the meantime, I'm going to stand there and be waiting on the other side of the door for them. So, you know, right. don't and be that I'm perfect sure target. That, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, you know, that whenever you grew up, probably about the same as, as when I did. You know, the everybody... When I was a kid, everybody left their doors open. They left their doors right. open, and in the summertime, you had all the windows were open, uh, and uh, the yes. front door was open, the back doors open. You had screen doors on them, but everything was open, even at night. You, you would even sleep that way at night. You know, they put a little, a little tiny latch on it, uh, on the front door and back door, but you would even sleep with the, the front and back doors open. And uh, I'm sure that there's sure. plenty of places you can do that now, but uh, it's probably not recommended for most places, <laughs> but if you, uh, if you, like you were saying, the guys are going to be looking for the, uh, you know, the path of least resistance, and if they come walking down the street, and they, uh, they're, you know, uh, you know, maybe they've got uh, like a little, uh, a little pack or something, or you know, and they're acting like they're doing surveys or something like that, and they come up to each house, and they knock on the door, and nobody answers, and then if they try the doorknob, and if it's open, then, then they're going to go in. That's You know, it's just a right. very simple, easy thing. If the door is open, then they just go in. They don't even have to take any tools. You know, they don't have to break in. So right. if you keep your doors locked, and not just uh, not just when you're not home, but when you're at home, if you're at home, uh, keep the door locked. When you come inside the house, lock the door. It only takes you a second to lock it. That way, uh, you know, there have been plenty of crimes, and I'm sure that you've, I'm sure you've seen this, is, is uh, where somebody came into the home. Maybe they didn't expect anybody to be at home, but they came into the home because the door was open, and once they were in the home, then... Uh, all bets are off. You know, they may, right. may maybe they didn't intend to beat anybody up or kill anybody or rape anybody. Maybe that wasn't their intention. But once they were in the home, and things kind of just flowed that way, then that then that's what ended up happening. You know, right. So w- one of the easiest things you can do is to make sure that you've got your door locked. And I tell folks don't don't depend on the little push-button things. The only thing that uh, that I recommend for the push-button things is, to, is to just to, to give you that little 10 seconds. When you walk in the door and you shut it and you click the push-button thing, that gives you 10 seconds to uh, to lock the deadbolt. Lock your deadbolt door. Right. Yeah, you and I think we have, you know, you have to make a conscious decision to do that. You know, uh-huh. we can all... I'm sure do better at, at, at doing that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it too at times. 
you know, more so, I, I, you know, I think about my wife when she gets home with the boys. You know, little ones can obviously uh, be attention grabbers. And, you know, you're coming in and trying to make sure they're not throwing their coats everywhere and throwing their shoes wherever they want to and carrying stuff in. And, you know, we're all busy. We all have busy lives and everything. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where we have to have to make it a pattern. You know, it's something we have to constantly do is to, you know, just don't, don't be that victim. Don't don't give that that chance, you know, because that one time when you let your guard down uh, is when it happens. And that's it. And, you know, you're, you're exactly right. We have to develop, uh, and the easiest way to to make this happen is to develop safety practices, safety habits. Yeah. And that Absolutely. is, you know, you walk in the door and you lock it. And I know that a lot of times. Uh, a lot of my family members get very aggravated with me because when I walk in the door, I lock it, and they may still be outside. And, I, and they're like, what, <laughs> "You know, what's wrong with you?" I go, "Sorry, it's just a force of habit." I walk in the door, I shut it, I lock it. That, right. and that's because if you don't, if you don't make it a habit, then these what you're talking about, then the then life gets in the way. You know, the kids do this, or you know, something else happens, and <clears throat> and then you forget, and it's. And exactly, and it's it just that you can't. You know, if you if your house got broken into every single day, then you would do it, but it doesn't. Right. But what you have to do is is your your you that one time, like you said, that one time when it's going to happen, and it's like bought, buying lottery tickets. You know, you got a one chance in two hundred million that you're going to win. Problem is. <laughs> Is when you win, it's it's a horrible thing, and uh, so you've got to figure out how to how to best stack the odds in your favor. And the best way is by developing, you know, safety habits, safety practices. Make sure that you're locking right. your door when you're inside. Uh, make sure that you're locking your windows. Uh, right. What type of uh, what would you from your from your years in law enforcement, what would you say that the most common type of crimes that you see committed uh, in the home are, aside from domestic abuse? Because I'm sure that that's probably, uh, at least on Friday and Saturday nights, that's probably the most uh, things that happen. But, but other than that, what is the most common type of crimes that you see uh, perpetrated on individuals in their homes? Well, obviously the most common is going to be your burglaries, uh, you know, home burglaries. Uh, it's it's uh, I, I would say it's pretty high percentage uh, here in the area that we're in. Uh, of course, our you know our burglary uh, detectives do a phenomenal job with uh, you know taking the, the evidence they've got and, and uh, you know finding the guys that have uh, you know obviously committed the crime. Uh, so their you know their uh, solvability rates are low, uh, but they they actually have a high arrest rate uh, with with uh, what they, you know, cards that they're dealt. Uh, they do a good job with that. But I'd have to say, uh, you know, uh, you know, you've got obviously uh, the burglaries nowadays, um, what what we've seen the trend in is, uh, you know, the guys are no longer going up and, and uh, you know, breaking out the window or crawling, you know, trying to feel if the windows are open and crawling in the window. We're just going in and kicking in a door, uh, and so because now you have alarm systems that 
typically go off for 30 to 45 seconds. So now it's gone from 30 to 45 seconds. Now your alarm company is calling your house. So let's say nobody's there, so it rings and rings. So that's another uh, 30 seconds, let's say. So now you have a minute and 15 seconds. So now they're going to turn around and try to call you on your cell phone. So now say that your cell phone doesn't, you know, you don't, you don't answer that. So there's another 30 seconds. So now you have, what, a, a minute and 45. So now they're going to call, uh, now they're going to call your your local uh, law enforcement agency. So let's say that takes another a couple minutes to go from the call processor to the dispatcher. So now you just added two minutes to that. Now you're going to add another, let's say, uh, two to three minutes for, because it's a low-priority call. So now let's say that you go, you turn around and have another two to three minutes, uh, you know, for it to get dispatched. You know, so now what are we up to? You know, over five minutes. So now the, your average patrol, your average uh patrol response time or something like that is around, you know, six to ten minutes depending on uh, the area of, of the county or town that you live in, you know. So now, you know, we're between, what, 15, 15 16 minutes. So, so if they can kick that door in and they can uh, kick it in and, and get out of there and want. Right. And so... Let's like, let's nail it down even half that time. So half that stuff doesn't even happen, okay? So let's let's nail it down to, to six minutes. <clears throat> and that's something that you know that we've we've kind of played around with. Uh as I was over in in the in the property crimes for a for a little while. And so we played around with it. So, you know, just try it sometime. You know, if you're if you're standing around at your house, just walk in your door, just walk in the back door, okay? And see the number of things that you can take that are expensive, and time yourself. Just walk in, get a couple of things. Walk in, go all the way to the back of your house, and get one thing from each room that's expensive, or just touch it, and then walk back out and time yourself. See how long it takes. You know, and, and you can do it in under a minute. You know, minute and a half. And so. You know, that's just one of those things to where that's what they've they've figured out. They can they can kick it in, go in, and about a minute, minute and a half, they're they're out. And so, all right. You know, that's kind of why I was throwing in the little cold circuit TV cameras and everything. You know, nowadays you can link it into to your uh, you know your iPhone or your uh, Android phone, and uh, you know alerts you if, if the alarm goes off. Well, now you can sit there and watch it and. And if you want to have the alarm company monitor it real time, I don't. I don't want anybody else to be able to see my house with me. Uh, right. Then, then uh, you know that's that's a possibility. So. Well, then two things in uh, two things you could do for that is uh, one, which you already mentioned, is having uh, is go ahead and investing in a good set of bars for your front and back door. That right. way that. Uh, you know, they can't just kick it in. You know, a set of bars is that's gonna make them move on. They're gonna they're gonna seek the, the, the more easy prey. And uh the other thing is I was just thinking about it whenever you were when you were mentioning it, and I don't think I talked about this the last time we talked about uh, home safety. I think I was just talking about things you could do to prevent it. 
But there's a lot of cases where you can't prevent it, where it's where stolen out of your home, and uh, and you need to know what you have in your home and you need to make sure that uh, that you are able to identify those items because the criminals, the majority of them, like I said, they're not educated. They're they're very lazy. They're they're following their own paths of least resistance. They're going to take the stuff from you. They're going to go to whoever. Uh, whoever they can sell it to the easiest, whether it's a pawn shop or the local crack dealer, uh, whoever right. it is, they're going to take it to them. Now, if you get a, if you get your your favorite pump shotgun stolen, and and they take it to the pawn shop, and you and or you you start reporting it to the officers who arrive, you go, they stole my pump shotgun, and they and they're going to ask you, all right, uh, what are the what's the serial numbers on it? If you can't give them the serial numbers, then forget ever getting that gun back. That's right. I mean, That's exactly right. Forget it. Forget it because there's no way that, that nobody's going nobody's to take your word for it and say, yeah, that's mine. It's a 12-gauge pump. That's what I have. They're, they're going to want to, at the very least, they're going to want the serial numbers off of it. Otherwise, forget it. You're never going to see that, uh, that firearm again. That's you right. need to make sure that you know that you have all your firearms, uh, all their serial numbers are copied down somewhere safe uh, and stored away. I keep mine in a fire-resistant uh, uh, safe, and uh, that way, if you, uh, I got to the habit of it whenever I was, you know, whenever I was buying and selling a lot, and you know, the government made you keep records of uh, of all your transactions and everything. <laughs> but you need to you need to make sure that you have all of the serial number down. Otherwise, the minute it, the minute it leaves your house, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It's very hard for you to ever get it back. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and that can go, you know, even you know, not necessarily even from from uh, you know being stolen from a burglary, but you know, even for for like a fire, flood, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, that absolutely destroys it. Uh, my expensive guns uh, that I've, I've got, you know, extra parts and everything on, I've taken pictures of it, you know, along with the serial numbers and everything, who I bought them from. That's just for my record, so in case I have to pay them later on on insurance. You know, so right. that's, that's something, too, you know, later on down the road in case something did like that. Well, you can take, you can make your own uh, on the stuff that you have in your home, uh, it's very easy. You can go out and you can go over to Harbor Freight, five bucks, get a little electric engraving tool, engravings onto the things of value in your home. So you've got a, uh, a DVD player, your TVs, your computer, any of that stuff. Just make a, right. a, a, a an engraving on there with your name and, and whatever number you want to put on there. Maybe your, I don't know, your whatever number. I wouldn't put a phone number or anything like that, but I would put... Uh, you know, you're your uh, Michael, I've seen a lot of people put the last four digits of their social on it even. Uh you know, something like right. that helps. Uh initials, you know, something something to where they can draw it back. Right, because otherwise it's very hard for you to prove that that specific item was ever yours. Now a lot of times I know that right. law enforcement has a really has a really great record of uh of recovering tons of stolen goods, but right. how are you, how are they, the law enforcement doesn't know what to do with them when they get them, other than I know you guys sell them at auctions and stuff like that. Because how are you ever going to know who they belong to? 
I mean, right. uh, without without some I form of identification, you're never going to get the stuff back. So make sure that you that things that you have in your home that you uh, have engraved uh, some type of a number on it, uh, you know, somewhere so that you can identify it. And then keep everything. Just keep a notebook. I just got a little spiral notebook that uh, the uh, the list of things are on. And that way, if something happens, you can say, "Look, here's what I here's the things that are missing. This is what they are, and uh, this is the identification number on it. Uh, this is what I originally paid for it. I got it from such and such." And uh, like you said, that it doesn't just help just in uh, burglary or theft. It would certainly it's certainly going to help on the day that you go to make your homeowner's insurance claim on it because. If you just say, I had this and this and this, the, the insurance guys are going to look at you and go, okay, well, we need, we're going to have to see something, <laughs> some receipts exactly. or this or that. And you go, well, they, they all burned yeah. up in the house. Well, you know, wish we wish we could help you, but, you know, we got to have some kind of proof. That's why they tell you to, to go through your home, make a videotape of all the stuff, and then put your put uh, write down uh, the rest of the stuff and put all your receipts. You can buy you can buy a nice cheap fire safe now for about thirty or forty bucks. Put yeah, all the stuff in it. That way, uh, the, the safe will still be sitting there, you know, after the fire, or whatever. And uh, it goes a long way toward toward making uh, making the two sides meet when you're doing when you're having the uh, insurance adjusted. Exactly. And like I said, the other thing is is that the uh, these criminals that are stealing, uh, especially the low-level ones, you know, one of the ways that you can prevent them from stealing is by putting them in jail. And uh, <laughs> and one of the best ways to do that is by making sure that law enforcement has a good way to prosecute them. If, right. Uh, if, if, if Mr. Criminal goes down and he pawns a bunch of uh, stuff at the pawn shop and uh, and the law enforcement says, I don't know, we think that he stole that stuff, but, but, but we can't prove it, so we've got to let him go. And instead, right. if they say, let me see the stuff, and they look at the pawn, the numbers on there, and they can find right. it, identify that it was actually stolen merchandise. It came from so-and-so's house. Now they've got some. They've got a way to make a case against that criminal and put him on behind bars. That's right. We'd love to be able to, uh, to you know, link those crimes up to these guys, especially the, uh, you know, repeat offenders. Uh, you know, they love they love going in and, and getting guns so they can have a gun, uh, so they can turn around and sell guns on the street. And uh, you know, that's a hard commodity. And uh, you know, so that's one of those things to where you know, I kind of preach it is. Uh, you know, when you're when you're gone, you know, make sure you lock up your expen- your your guns in general, but especially your expensive ones. You know, spend a little bit extra money, get a, a good quality safe, bolt it to the ground, bolt it to the you know to the wall, however that you want to secure it to where they can carry it out out of the door. Uh, you know, but, but lock them up uh, because that's that's huge when when uh, you know a lot of the guys are. Are breaking in these houses, and now they have a gun uh, where they didn't before. And so, uh, you know, that's right. just that's a, that's a little bit of a responsibility of, of being a gun owner. You know, I, I preach and breathe the, uh, you know, believing in the God-given right of our Second Amendment, and and 
you know, but we've got to we got to be responsible on our end. Is I don't want the responsibility <clears throat> passed on to someone else to catch this guy who's broken my house and now he has you know umpteen. Right. You know, just just lock him lock him up. You know, lock him up each night. Uh, keep the one or two that you uh, you have for my protection and uh, everything else will be fine. Right. Right. There's. Uh... And you know, there's even even if you can't afford a safe, there's there's still ways that you can make it hard on on criminals to you know to get your firearms. You can buy a, a three dollar uh, lag bolt, you know, a screw in lag bolt, and uh, you screw that thing uh, all the way down, uh, you know, into a two by four uh, low down on your wall and then uh, in your closet or whatever, and then you run, uh, and you can go buy some uh, some of the uh, gun locks, or usually, uh, I know in Harris County, they were giving them away free. The Sheriff's Department was. And, uh, oh, okay. You can get some of those. They've got the big cable locks for the, for the guns. You just take your cable locks, run it through the trigger guards of all of them down low, and lock it up. And uh, certainly they could cut through it with bolt cutters or or maybe a hacksaw or something like that, but they can't just grab it and run out the door with it because exactly. it's locked It's locked in there, and it only costs you five bucks. You know, you yep. can lock them up that, at least something. Do something so that they can't just run out the door with all of your guns, with your shotguns, uh, you know, your rifles, whatever. You can find some way to make it hard and, and do that. Make it hard for them to, to steal from you. Right. <clears throat> Well, the you know you were talking about the uh, the kick in the door, the home invasions and stuff like that, and and where I live in Central Texas, that is not that common right now. There have been a few. Uh, some of the cities are maybe experiencing it more than uh, than out here rurally. But most of the folks don't. They don't. They haven't been doing it out here. But I know that some police departments and some sheriff's departments have. Uh, you know, there recently it's been in the news because whenever they say stuff like this, everybody gets all excited. A lot of them have uh, been telling homeowners that they shouldn't keep firearms in their homes. Uh, and then, of course, some sheriff's departments have gone the opposite way, and uh, some cities have too. There was a city here in Texas recently that uh, that passed a law requiring all citizens to keep a, a firearm in their home. And uh, I'm wondering okay. what does what does the uh, Knox uh, Sheriff's Department uh, how do they feel about uh, citizens and uh, firearms ownership? I'm not expecting. I know that you don't you don't make policy or anything like that. And I don't want to. I don't want you to say something that's going to get you in trouble. But no, no. Um, you know, I, I do know uh, that our sheriff is a uh, is a big uh, NRA advocate. Uh, so I, you know, I do know that he's he's pro Second Amendment. Um, you know, other than that, I really can't speak more into it. Other than you know, I I can say that. Man, we're in the state of Tennessee, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, here it's you're basically brought up with a shotgun in your hand or, 
uh, or go on and just do something else. But you know, we I think the majority of the of the uh, uh, of the agencies here locally believe that they would probably feel the same way as far as you know, just supporting the Second Amendment. You know, and it, it's your right to. Uh, you know, it's really never been discussed here uh, as far as, uh, you know, in the news or anything like that, uh, trying you know, trying or uh, not necessarily swaying people one way or the other. But, uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of passed on through each generation of law enforcement officer here, I believe, that, that uh, you know, we have that, that God-given uh, right of our Second Amendment. And so... Uh, you know, and we we obviously keep well, that in the back of our mind on. in every uh, me, call we go to. Let me try and get you out of this mess that I put you in because uh, okay, I kind of I kind of I kind of just threw you right in the fire with that one, didn't I? All right, let me, <laughs> let me go about this from a different direction. <laughs> what does what does private citizen Matt Sexton believe about uh, keeping firearms in the home? Man, this is only a, this is an individual's opinion, and in no way reflects uh, anybody okay. else's or any other organizations. That's a little bit easier. I appreciate that, Michael. Um, okay. You know, I I do. I, I think that um, um, I think with it being our right, I think that we have the responsibility um, as uh, as United States uh, law-abiding citizens. I think that we have that we sh- we should carry that responsibility uh, in each of our families to protect ourselves, and you know, and now now I can look at it on the far you know on the side of a law enforcement officer is that when a law enforcement officer gets a call that a civilian needs help because someone is is breaking into their house or has made it into their house, you know. You have everything in you that's trying to get there to that, to help that person. Uh, everything, you know, all all the wheels are turning. You're trying everything in your power to get there as fast as you can to help out. You know, but I I turn and look at it as, you know, as a husband and as a father, is that I have a responsibility to protect my family. And you know, with that being said, is nowadays the criminals have guns, and some days. Criminals have better guns than we have. And so, you know, I don't feel that it's being a very responsible uh, man, uh, leader of my family. I don't think it's being a very responsible uh, law-abiding citizen to to uh, not provide those means of protecting my family uh, or protecting someone else, you know, from harm's way. So, you right. know, I believe, you know, I, I believe in... In personal protection, and I believe in uh, in protecting someone that's uh, that's obviously about to be a victim. And so, yeah, I believe wholeheartedly in uh, in self protection and uh, in our Second Amendment. Right. And listen, uh, Sam has asked me to ask you guys, the guys that are in the chat room. He asked if you guys would do a bit of chatting because he's trying to test the system. So. Uh, if you guys could just, uh, you know, post some stuff in there. Uh, and, if, of course, if you have questions uh, for Mr. Sexton, then please uh, post those in there. And uh, and also, if you have a question, if you want to call in and ask a question directly, I'm sure that uh, uh, that uh, uh, Sheriff Sexton would be glad to speak to you 
uh, you can call in at 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. Well, I think that uh, I think that having having something that would stop somebody from just kicking in the door and getting in uh, is a good thing. Having the bars on there. I know that uh, they also sell the uh, kick bars uh, mm-hmm. for people's homes. That's a thing that you uh, – that in the center of your door, and uh, then it goes down to the floor and hooks in, and that way if somebody tries to kick your door in, they, they really can't kick it in very quickly or very efficiently because, uh, because it's, it's going to stop them. Or you can have uh, some type right. of – I know that uh, – that uh, people, when there is a lot of crime, I've been to uh, to different places that had a lot of criminal activity in places like Houston and uh, Atlanta, uh, things like that. And people actually had uh, uh, either heavy wooden bars or steel bars that they slid across their door and uh, you know and, mm-hmm. and latched in place so that the door couldn't be kicked open. Uh, sure. And I think that's a good idea. Uh, and then certainly to be able to have some way inside your home to defend yourself is a good idea. And uh, yes. and I know that I've talked to folks on here about that uh, quite a few times, and I won't we'll go into it tonight. But, you know, it's really going to depend on uh, on your situation, you know, where you live, what you're comfortable with, uh, you know, if you have kids or not, as to how you how you keep a firearm uh, in your home, how you keep a firearm, how you keep it ready. I know that there's uh, there are plenty of uh, plenty of things now that they didn't have uh, quite a few years ago that are fairly inexpensive. They've got the uh, the uh, fingerprint recognition systems for your hands for the small gun safes. Uh, They've got uh, plenty of other things, uh, pictures and stuff like that that you can hang on your wall or you actually bolt them on there that are have uh, false fronts and backs, and you can open it up, and there's a firearm in there. I usually tell folks, uh, it seems to me anyway, the easiest thing is to keep uh, some type of a shotgun, a pump shotgun, because I, I like mm-hmm. to, to make sure that the that whatever I'm using is about as low-tech as I can get, and uh, right. keep the pump, the shotgun, you know, either up high if you have kids, uh, you know, or mm-hmm. in some type of a uh, some type of a, a special, you know, setup that you have for it. You can do anything as long as you're making sure that you're that you are keeping the members of your family safe. And by that I mean by using proper gun safety, uh, and uh, and yet still be able to access it quickly in order to uh, in order to prevent somebody from doing harm to you or your family. And like you said, they uh the kick the door open home invasion folks are usually pretty pretty fast and pretty brutal and uh they don't give you a lot of time. So if you if you don't have something that can stop them from kicking that door open, and you have a door that's fairly weepy inside your home in about uh, 10 to 15 seconds, and if you don't have uh, if you don't have a way to have a firearm in your hands in 10 to 15 seconds, and 
then they're usually not that much help to you. I know a lot of folks right. uh, keep the they keep the revolver in the top drawer. They keep the box of shells, you know, in their uh, or they keep the box of shells in the top drawer, and they keep the revolvers, you know, in the underwear or the soft drawer, unloaded. And uh, yep. that's going to do you absolutely no good. Uh, I don't think that you can get those six rounds into that chamber in that 15 seconds in time to do anything. So you're going to need to you need to think about what you're going to do. And, and that's the other thing I tell folks too. I'm sure that you probably agree with this: is that you can't wait until something happens to formulate a plan for defense. You got to this right. is whatever you're no, going to do. You, you need to think about out. it before. <laughs> right. 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 You need to think about it beforehand and say, okay, this isn't something I really want to think about, but the fact right. remains that somebody could break into the house. And I I do this with the family to make sure that they know. And, of course, I'm, you know, a lot of times they just look at me and roll their eyes, but at least they've, <laughs> at least they've heard me say it. They they know what I'm planning on doing. And sure. uh, and I tell, the, I tell the folks, here's what the plan is. And make sure that you have a plan at first, because if you don't, those critical seconds between when an event begins to initiate and you trying to figure out what you're going to do about it, that's that's going to put you way behind the ball. Yeah, it's too late then. And, you know, Michael, that's what, even when we were little, you know, when we were in grade school, you know, what do they practice with us? You know, they practice tornado drills and they practice fire drills. You know, right. none of us liked it. You know, we might have liked to get to get out of get out of class even when we were little, but you know, after a period of time, it you know it was kind of boring and stuff. But what happened when the bell rang? We knew exactly where to get up, where to go, where to stand, you know, or where to crouch down and cover your head. And they did it when we were little. You know, why can you not do it as an adult? You know, you have to just have that have a little bit of extra time. And so that every family member knows what the responsibility is. And so, you know, that's what you said. You know, you just have a have a simple plan. Don't make it hard. You know, have a simple plan. Right. And uh, and of course, when I was little, we had uh, we had regular uh, clear uh, drills. You know, we would. Uh, we would practice uh, when we saw the bright flash come through the windows. We practiced getting under the under our desks and covering our heads and stuff. I'm not sure how much I was going to do, but at least maybe we'd <laughs> maybe keep the the glass. It was going to fly in through there from you know slicing you in half. But we used to have the uh, the nuclear drills. And I know that people don't do that anymore, but uh, but you're exactly right. You know we have the fire drills and stuff in schools. And uh, we have them here at our house too. All right, you know we have the the fire drill so that folks know what to do if there's a fire. If there's a fire, then uh, you know I want I, I tell them I want them all to go into the front yard because I want to be able to know where everybody is and yeah, you know hurry up and get there so I can count heads and make sure they're really counted for. So they know that it's a very simple thing, and it's the same thing with making sure that you have a plan for your home defense. Uh, you don't have to get uh, you don't have to get complicated. And matter of fact, you know the simpler the better because the more complicated something is, the more chances there are for it to go wrong. So make sure that your plans are very simple. Make sure that uh, you have the uh, 911 
uh, your 911 address written down, you know, wherever the phone is, so that whoever is picking up the phone to call uh, for assistance, it could be your your you know your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law or a neighbor or something that's calling, and uh, they can give the exact location to where you are to the 911 operators. Make sure that the you know the kids know how to dial 911 and what they're supposed to say to the operators and stuff like that. And just think about it just the same way that you would with uh, like a fire drill or something. Make sure that your that your family does have some kind of uh, a plan that you're working on and and as you go you can amend the plan you can make it better or different or something like that but make sure that you have at least have a base plan that you're working on right <clears throat> well if uh i had a one of the folks in the chat room ask me to ask you what you recommend that people do when uh when when somebody is at their door at the front door kicking on it uh yelling police I'm sorry that's my beeping in when some uh when someone's kicking your front door yeah kicking your front door he said they're they're talking about the uh the home invasion folks that uh that have gotten into the habit now of yelling police. Uh, when they're kicking the door in, he said, "What do what you recommend you do about them?" That, you know, that, that's one of those uh, tricky situations, and you know, I'm going to know, I, I'm going to know what my target is and what's beyond it. So, you know, do you position yourself to be able to see? And that's really typically all that you have is a split second, you know, to and that's that's what police officers deal with all the time is, you know, you're presented with something like that. And you have to. You better know for a fact that that person has a weapon in their hand before you shoot them. You know. So now if they're kicking in your front door and they're yelling police, uh, you know, that that's kind of one of those uh, individual calls that that uh, you know you you better have your mind prepared the right way to to uh, to make sure when that door comes open that you know is that you know. Uh, police officers, yeah, a, you know, very, police officers coming in, or are those are those uh, you know bad guys? And a very uh, tricky you know, situation. A, yeah, that is. You know, excellent question. Um, but it's one of those to where, you know, I don't think there really is any true answer to because it, each situation would dig. And uh, you know, I, I know what you know. I know what I would do as far as uh, you know positioning myself to where. I could see who's coming to you know into my house, uh, right? And you've got the you guys, know, uh, the guys using the uh, police windbreakers and stuff now, because that's oh, yeah. uh, that's it's very dangerous. Because and you also have the problems with the uh, and you read about this all the time is uh, uh, police getting the wrong address. So you sure. could be now obviously. If you're a criminal, you're engaged in criminal activity, and somebody's yelling police and breaking your door down, you better you better just you better lay down. Even if you think it is uh, you know some other gang uh, pulling a raid on you, you better lay down because uh, because there, that's a no-win situation. But if somebody is not engaged in any type of criminal uh, activity, 
that in their mind, what could be what could be any possible motivation for anybody kicking down their door other than it is uh, it is a robber or you know somebody doing it. Because we see this happen, you know, we've seen this happen quite a few times, and it, and unfortunately, resulting in the uh, in deaths on both sides. Officers right. being shot coming into a home by homeowners, and homeowners being shot by officers who broke, you know, kicked in the door because they're standing there with a gun and they're expecting a crack dealer, uh, you know, or a murderer, and. Uh, you know, and you and you don't you don't have time to figure it out. You've got to you have got to fix a situation right then and there. So that is a very tricky situation. Uh, I'm not sure what I would do other than uh, I, I think I would if if I if I saw that happening, I think I would first uh, try be getting somebody to try and call 911, and then uh, I think I'd yell at them that uh, I've got a rifle in here and. Uh, I'm going to start shooting at whoever comes through the door. Yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully there's that, that amount of time. Uh, but that's just, uh, you know, that's a worst-case scenario. And, you know, we we all hope and pray every day that that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Uh, right. You know, because it's, it's and, and I know as far as, uh, you know, uh, being a former uh, team member here uh, with my agency, is that's something that none of us want to ever experience. You know, that's just a gut-wrenching uh, feeling, you know, to go in a, an innocent person's house. Uh, you know, that's not by any means what we ever try to try to happen, you know, but it's we've all read it in the news, and, and you know, it, it's happened. A uh, very small percentage, but, you know, but it has happened, you know, and so that's why I really can't, you know, I really can't provide a, uh, a good answer for that because it's it's one you know where you go back to okay we you know do you have the proper lighting do you have the proper you know do you have full circuit TV cameras where you can pull up on your TV you know there's there's uh you know there's there's all kinds of, of fail safes but at the same time at the end of the day if if something like that happens that's just a that's the worst case scenario and, and that's just uh that's a no win situation right. Now I did have one guy. Now I'm not going to. I'm certainly not going to advocate this, but I'll, I know I had one guy. That we were talking about this one night, and he said, uh, and I saw it. He had uh, two two five-gallon water cans uh, that shed water on them, and then a uh, a little piece of wood up on top of it that had uh, blinking uh, LED lights. And I go, what is what the heck is that thing for? And uh, he said that's just, that was just to to keep him from getting shot in his bed. And uh, he said that uh, he was hoping somebody somebody kicked in the door, they would see that. Now I'll tell you right now that if you make something that says it's an explosive, or if you make it to look exactly like an explosive, that's a crime. So. I don't want anybody out there to think they can they can make something to look like an explosive because that in itself is a crime. So don't do that. But he had done this. He said to to try and keep from getting shot in his bed at night. He said that uh, hopefully that if somebody kicked in the door, that they would see that and they would say, "Okay, let's wait." You know, let's let's wait instead of rushing in here. Okay. Well, <laughs> inventive. <laughs> Earlier. With 50% of the crimes uh, occurring in the home, 
And I I thought it was kind of uh, uh, the way that it worked out statistics. You know, when I when I researched this, they also said that the crimes were were split pretty evenly between day and night uh, as far as uh, crimes in the home. You know, there was you were just as uh, likely to have something happen in the day as you were have something happen in the night. There was not one. Uh, more specific than the other. Now, that's just a generalization. I mean, if you, uh, you you need to look at your where you live, and then uh, I'm sure that if folks talk to the, if I came over to the Knoxville, uh, uh, to Knox County uh, Sheriff's Department and said, hey, can you guys kind of give me a rundown on on where crime is happening and what kind of crime it is, would you guys uh, uh, be able to tell me where crime is happening and what kind of crime it is so that I would know what to expect. Uh, like if, if you, if you said, uh, this, uh, this neighborhood here, it's, uh, you know, it gets a lot of, uh, burglaries from crackheads or something like that. Would you guys be able to know that or be able to tell folks about it? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a link on our department website, uh, that it's, it has crime maps and you can actually pull up all the reports that have come in, uh, all the arrests in certain areas that have come in. Uh, so it's one of those things, that, you know, to where, you know, say people are moving to the Knoxville area, they can pull it up and see, you know, hey, well, we had a, had a whole lot of car burglaries in this area or there's been a lot of armed robberies in this area. You know, uh, you can, you know, we've done well, I believe, uh, as a department. Uh, we've done well uh, keeping up with, with uh, you know, those uh, crown wave patterns and, and it made it very, uh, very accessible to, uh, uh, obviously, to the civilians here, uh, to the homeowners here. Right. So that's something I would recommend to folks. Is like if you're getting ready to to go to some area and move in or something, take a look. Now, there's also several uh, websites uh, available publicly that you can use. Make sure that you, whenever you're looking at the websites, make sure that you are taking the time to look at the types of crimes, too, because I was looking at one yesterday, uh, yesterday and it was showing me crimes committed uh, in a certain city. I don't remember which one it was now. I was looking at several cities, but this one had a big university in it. And if you looked at the crimes, you would think that uh, the housing around the, the university was like the highest criminal activity in, uh, in the city, but it until you read the crimes, you would think that. Now, once you read them, you would see that that it had a much higher than normal rate of police calls for noise and stuff like that, because it would see college kids partying and stuff like that. There was there was no crimes against persons uh, or break-ins or burglaries, but there were tons of noise violations and uh, uh, public intoxication and stuff like that. But make sure that you're that you're actually reading what types of crimes are being uh, committed, and make sure that you're uh, that you before you move into some place that you're taking this into consideration the types of crimes that you may experience there, and uh, uh, oh, there was something else I was just getting ready to ask you, and uh, I can't think of it now. But anyway, with the with half of the crimes occurring in the home, that means 
half of the crimes are occurring somewhere other than the home. And that means that you're going to have to be vigilant at places outside your home as well as in your home. Uh, what type of crimes do do you see there in Knox County that are that are happening uh, publicly? What is the most uh, I don't know about the most common type of crimes against persons? Uh, I'm sure that uh, vehicle burglaries and stuff like that are, are very common. But what about what's the most common crimes against persons uh, activity that's going on there in your county? Well, you've got especially, you know, with the holidays, uh, they're right upon us. Uh, you've got uh, what we deem strong-arm robberies uh, with, you know, people coming through, snatching stuff out of people's arms, uh, snatching purses off of ladies' uh, arms or other buggies as you're shopping. Uh, so, you know, that's something that you have to be aware of, you know, obviously with, with being in the profession that I'm in and, and uh, having set tech on the side, Jennings personal safety, uh, you know, day clinics and everything. One, one of the biggest thing is, is a harp on is not leaving one of your hands free and accessible, uh, either for defense or, you know, for me, for, uh, you know, drawing my weapon if I needed to. Uh, but coming out, you know, seeing people uh, with stuff in both arms, you know, if you're carrying that much, just get a buggy and push it. Uh, you know, ladies, I've I've uh, I was harping on my wife for years, and uh, and and finally, with uh, with seeing so many things that had gone on, you know, I told my wife, I was like, look, you know, you're getting ready to go go to the grocery store. Uh, you know, at times if I'm working or uh, you know something going on, she may have to take the uh, our our two you know little ones with her. I said, why are you on, you know, you want to take your purse with you, you know? What what is it so much that you need with your purse in the grocery store? I said, you know, let's let's look at getting getting you one of the little a little change purse that carries your driver's license, uh, you know, your your bank card, uh, cash, what you know, whatever else that you need in there. But it's just for the grocery store, you know. You sit there, you put it in your front pocket, it's done. Uh now you're not carrying it around your arm, uh, because I don't want to see her uh, with, uh, you know, some uh, some person, you know, comes through there, run, runs up next to her and drags her down and hurts her uh, because they've, they've come up and wanted her purse, contents of her purse, you know. So now she's having to follow this person uh, over keeping her purse on her arm and watching our boys at the same time, and, it, and it's a, you know, it's a bad situation. And so, you know, just small stuff like that. You know, don't walk out from the stores when you're walking to and from your vehicle with both arms full. Uh, make two trips if you have to. And, you know, carry something in your hand if you, obviously, if you're not carrying, a, you know, a, a sidearm or something like that uh, on your hip. And also carry something in your hand, keys, uh, whatever, you know, something heavy that, that you can, uh, you know, defend yourself against somebody with. Uh, but don't carry stuff out with both hands. Uh, you know, your attention's on bouncing and trying to keep it all together, you know. So Right. Right. And and most people will tell you that the uh the the best thing to do as far as uh 
in self-defense or safety situations to make sure that you don't get into that position in the first place. Now, that sounds kind of silly on its face, but it's not. And the key to that, of course, is situational awareness. Because you see people nowadays, I'm sure you see it all the time, and that's the people that uh, they walk out of the store. The minute they walk out that door, they got that phone in their hand. They're looking straight down at that phone. They're typing in yes. something or texting to somebody, and uh, they have no clue what's going on around them. They could get run over. Right. Uh, somebody could come up and bang them on their head. They got no clue what's going over. The main yeah. thing you need to do is make sure that you keep aware of your situation. You know, park. Don't park uh, in the darkest, most remote section of the parking if you can uh, if you can avoid it. Uh, if you think that there is some uh, uh, if, if you are worried, uh, get one of these store employees to walk you out to your car. Uh, trust your instincts. You know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people will will tell you after the fact, after the crime, they were saying, you know, uh, you know, I, something was telling me don't park there, but I disregarded it and I did anyway. And here's what happened to me. Whenever you get some feeling like that. Trust those instincts. It's not like a mumbo-jumbo thing. It's not some kind of voodoo thing. It's your brain working on another level that has been It's assessing the situation, and it's trying to, to knock on the window glass and tell you, hey, hey, I just saw a guy back here doing this, or, or this looks like it could be a bad place, and it's trying to tell you, don't do it. And if you right. do it anyway, it's at your peril. So use your, use, trust your gut instincts on stuff and make sure that you're situationally aware. Make sure that when you yes. walk out of the store that you're within your right. Make sure you're looking to see, is there somebody standing by my car? What are they doing there? Why are they there? If somebody's standing right. by your car and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they don't, it doesn't seem right, don't go over there. Go back inside and get somebody to walk you out there or, uh, uh, you know, alert the, uh, the store employees to it. Uh, don't, uh, don't just walk. Don't, don't disregard your instinct is telling you, hey, this is a bad idea, and say, well, I'm sure everything will be okay, and do it anyway. Yeah. That's uh, right, and especially, you know, especially women that are out there, uh, you know, uh, I've always said this is, you know, uh, women have that little thing that men don't. It's called women's intuition. It's, you know, no matter how much we try, we can never get that. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, for all, all, the, all the women to to Listen to that. Never, never, never go against your your intuition. Uh, you know, it's extremely strong in a woman, and you know, there's times that I've had that gut feeling too, and I've gone against, and I was wrong. You know, and uh, and you know, the women have it, guys try it, but we just can't keep up. And so, uh, if something seems wrong, uh, then it probably is. You know, and, and right. listen because there's no, you know, there's nothing. Nothing important enough to where you have to get right into your car. Uh, that doesn't outweigh safety. And, uh, you know, right. they have uh, folks will recommend too that they'll recommend that uh, when you get to your car, most of the time you'll see folks, they'll go to their car, they'll get in their car, and then they'll start uh, sorting through things or they'll try and put things uh, away here or there or they'll start digging through their purse for this or that. And, uh, most folks will tell you that that's exactly the wrong thing to do. First thing you do when you get in your car is lock the door. Lock the door so that somebody can't open it back up, and then start the car and drive it off. 
You can. Yes. Uh, you don't need to. There's nothing so important that you got to do it when you're sitting there right there. Because if somebody's watching you, and they see you get a bunch of stuff and put it in your car, then then they they got everything they need. They got all the stuff you just bought. They got a car to drive it away in. So you get in the car, lock the door, and immediately start the engine and drive off to somewhere. If you need to restack stuff or resort it, then then drive to a lighted area and stop for a second and uh, with your doors locked and 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 resort the stuff that you need. But don't sit there and do it uh, whenever you get in your car. Right. That's good. Uh, what about? Uh, I know that there is a uh, there is a uh, a list of questions, and uh, I've got it in my files somewhere here. But it's actually it's a really great list, and it is a list to. Uh, to get you to think about things that you would and would not do, and uh, it has questions on it like, uh, uh, would you be willing to go to the uh, 7-Eleven down at the end of your street uh, after dark, even though you know that the store has been robbed several times? Uh, would you? Are you willing to... Uh, are you willing to get into uh, a physical altercation to defend the honor of your sports team? Uh, on and on, the things that that can put you in life or death situations, things that you can avoid very easily. If you know that that, that store down at the uh, end of your block that has been robbed several times, uh, you know, over the last uh, few months at night, then why would you go there? Because there's a chance that you could be walking in there uh, when the store is getting robbed, and you could either get robbed or shot or or something like that. And uh, and the same thing with the uh, with like guys in their football teams. You know, would you be are would you be willing to let somebody say something against your uh, your beloved football team uh, without uh, saying something back? Because it's just a football team. You're not even on the team, you know. Are you willing to uh, to get into a a fist fight over it, where you could get, be injured or killed, or you could injure or kill somebody else without even meaning to? And uh, it's a great, it's a long list, but it's a great way to get folks to start thinking about how they're living their lives as far as their own personal safety yeah. and self-defense. Uh, I'll try and post that on the on the radio blog site but it's it's a great uh it's a great thing for folks to think about because there's a lot of things that you do in your everyday life that could get you killed uh and mm-hmm. and there's no need for you to be doing it but if you haven't thought about it then you may be doing it anyway i'm sure that you've probably dealt with uh with guys at uh, at a sports bar or, or something like that, that uh, uh, they got into a fight and maybe somebody got injured, maybe even killed, and then you asked them what started it, and they said, "Well, somebody said something about about the Titans," and uh, and I couldn't let that go. Right. And next thing you know, they're they're doing ten years. 
Well, liquid courage uh, has, you know, it plays a number on some people. Uh, you know, well, that's just one of those things to where <clears throat> nowadays people are on edge, and so anything can uh, can set people off. So, you know, that's just one of those things to where you're uh, again, it's just where you're where you're prepared. Yeah, and it's not like it used to be. Whenever I was a young man back in let's see, the end of the 70s and the 80s, because then you got into a fist fight with somebody. That's usually the worst thing that would happen. You get into a fist fight with somebody. Nowadays, right. everybody everybody is willing uh, to sling lead, and uh, and you got to be careful. I mean, it could, uh, it could be a life-and-death situation. And like you said, you know, bringing alcohol into it, uh, for the liquid courage, uh, I think that uh, if you read this list, like I said, I'll try and get it posted for you guys. If you read this list, you'll, I think that you will understand more what I'm saying about this because it uh, is it's a it's a very long list, but it's uh, it gets you to think about how you're living your life. Would I, if somebody said something, even something to you, and you weren't drinking? Somebody said something to you really derogatory to you in public. You know, are you willing to let it go, or do you have to fight about it? Because, uh, you know, in certain situations, uh, maybe the person that's doing it, you, know, you don't know what's going on. Say you're in a restaurant, and a guy at a table says something to you. Why is he saying that? Why would he be so bold as to say something to you? Unless, one, he either is absolutely sure that he can beat you down, or two, he's got three or four buddies that sitting there that you know nothing about, and uh, he's done this before. Uh, it makes you start thinking about why or what your reactions uh, have been in the past, what they should be, and the possible ramifications of this. So are you willing to, are you willing to let somebody say something derogatory, uh, to you, are you willing to let somebody call you a name and just uh, and just walk away, or do you feel like you have to defend your honor, even if it means getting into a fist fight with them? Uh, it's a very, I think it's a very smart piece of work because it makes you think about this. Because you know, even just a fist fight can leave you uh, permanently injured or dead. And and even just a fist fight, you could punch somebody, they can fall over backwards, hit their head on the concrete, and they're dead. Now, you just committed manslaughter. Uh, all over somebody saying some, uh, calling you a name. And, uh, and the law does not uh, recognize somebody calling you a name as a good reason to punch them. True. I mean, that... I'm, I'm right, right? I mean, uh, somebody calling somebody a yeah, name, you can't you know, see. That's one of those things, hey, you know, to where uh, you're just going to have to, I guess the situation that you're in, you know what, how much are you going to think of it? You know, is it, do you have an out, I guess is what I'm trying to trying to find, is, uh, you know, if someone is there mouthing off at me and everything, I'm there with my family. You know, I'm probably just going to remove myself from the situation. You know, now right. if someone is there and they they involve me and don't give me an out, 
then, you know, I'm obviously going to defend my family and defend myself. Right, so, exactly. You know, you know, but name right. calling, you know, so what? I've been called a bunch of bad names. <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, now to the age where I just laugh it off and, you know, that person has some has some issues they need to deal with. Uh, they're not worth my time or my breath. So, uh, right. You know. Yeah, I was riding with a, a buddy of mine uh, a while back, and uh, he was HPD. And uh, whenever his when his partner wasn't available, he would swing by and uh, and pick me up. And uh, I I had to fill out the uh, the ride along waivers and everything get approved, but. I would be surprised at some of the things that some of the folks said to uh, to officers. And uh, it surprised me one time because the first time I heard some guy really getting down on him, calling him the most vile stuff imaginable, and the guy got through it and he goes, that's it? You done? The guy goes, yeah. He goes, that that was weak. That's the best you got because that was weak. And that was it. He didn't nothing else, you know. He didn't didn't let it sweat him. I go, and I said, I thought you were going to go down on the guy there, you know, bust down on him. And he goes, no. He goes, what do I care what he says? He's going to jail. It doesn't matter. So, Right. And and that's the thing, too. You know, being in law enforcement, you have to realize that, you know, majority of the time they don't know you uh, personally. You know, it's whatever they're saying against you is against the uniform. It's, you know, it's against the badge. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if they knew the majority of us, you know, personally, they wouldn't be saying those things against us. Uh, so, you know, I, I can blow all that stuff off. Uh, you know, now if they want to, you know, make it something physical, then, then uh, you know, one way or the other, they're going to lose that. But, you know, it's uh, people are just, uh, you know, some people have a time that they need to say something against law enforcement, and, and, and so be it. And you know your your partner did an excellent job, obviously, of, of blowing that guy off, and and uh, you know, and everybody was fine, you know, a few minutes later. So you just learn to do it, and uh, and you learn uh, what what you can accept and and uh, what needs to be dealt with. So right, that's you just part of it. Earlier, you know. whenever that you were, if you were out with your family and something happened, then you would have to do whatever whatever was necessary then. Now, I want to mention to folks, too, that, that involving your family in your self-defense and safety uh, planning is paramount to making sure that things go right. And that includes not just the things that you do in the home, but the things that you would do if you were out in public with your family. If something happens, mm-hmm. you tell them, look, guys, if something happens, uh, like uh, if somebody tries to do this or somebody does tries to do this, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I need you guys to do. And it may be different depending on your situation. If you, uh, especially if you're, uh, uh, if you're law enforcement, then you don't have the option that most folks have. I mean, in law enforcement, you're you're pretty much required, even if you're off duty, you're pretty much required to uh, uh, to come to the aid of uh, of whatever you know whatever's going on there, whether it be a person, a crime against property, or crimes against a person. I don't know what they say if you have your family along, but if you're a, a uh, just an individual, you have a lot more options. But if you decide that you that you are going to carry concealed and that you're going to, to try and defend uh, yourself or your family, then you have to 
you, you have to figure out how you're going to do that. You have to make sure your family knows that that if something happens and you and and it may end up in a shooting position, that they they can't all be flocked around on top of you and grabbing onto you. Uh, right. That puts them in the line of fire too. Uh, so you're going to have to figure these things out and make sure that you involve your family in your self-defense and safety planning. Make sure that they understand what's going to happen in the situation so that everybody everybody knows what's going to happen or, and, and how it's going to, to work. And, and make sure that, you, that you've planned or rehearsed this. Uh, Matt, let's talk about, uh, uh, in addition to being a Knox uh, County Sheriff's Dove, you have also uh, started out uh, your own company. You are the founder and CEO of the uh, Southeast Precision Tac- uh, uh, Tactics. And uh, you've got uh, uh, locations in Tennessee and uh, North Carolina. You've got uh, a couple of ranges or facilities. Can you tell us about uh, about the uh, Southeast Precision Tactics, about you guys' uh, philosophy, uh, about uh, you know what caused you to to go in this direction and start up a company to teach uh, and uh, instruct in uh, in tactics, and uh, and tell us, Scott, what company philosophy is on training. Absolutely. We, um, you know, it, it was one of those to where um, one of my good friends and, and business partners uh, is a former uh, 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment uh, sniper. Um, and uh, we were sitting around one day. He was actually doing uh, recruiting here in Knoxville uh, for the Army. And uh, I had uh, met him at a local uh, cigar shop. And we were sitting around and, and just both enjoying a, a nice cigar and chumming about shooting. And it's a, you know, shooting is uh, what I was brought up with, is what he was brought up with. It's a passion of ours. Uh, and we both ended up as, you know, obviously uh, I ended up as a law enforcement uh, firearms instructor. He ended up as a uh, United States Army uh, marksmanship unit instructor. And, um, you know, it's just a it's a passion of ours, and so, you know, we're sitting around laughing about it one day. Hey, we should start something up like this, you know, in in the East Tennessee area, and uh, you know, our, our laughter it slowly became to uh, okay, well, let's really sit down and seriously discuss this. So uh, back in uh, the summer of 2011, uh, we developed uh, SEPTAC, uh, as we call it, and uh, and I, I guess the the rest is kind of history. Um, we've uh, we've kind of partnered up and uh, having uh, two different ranges, one in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and the other one uh, an hour northeast of Knoxville, Tennessee. And so, uh, you know, now we are uh, we're uh, devoting ourselves to uh, to training uh, active and uh, former law enforcement and military uh, military personnel. Uh, we've we've trained uh, security contractors in between their, uh, I guess their uh, deployments to uh, to the Middle East and, and elsewhere, and uh, and obviously bringing in uh, 
law-abiding uh, United States citizens uh, to, uh, you know, to, to learn what we've learned and uh, to hopefully pass it along to someone else. Right. And you guys, you, with your staff there, uh, and this is one of the ways that, I, that you and I ended up uh, talking is because I, I don't remember what it was, but I, I remember I, I happened to track down your your uh, classes here, and I I was very impressed with your facilities and with your uh, with your training program. It's pretty pretty great program, and uh, you. you guys have uh, really a a, a very wa- a very broad variety uh, <laughs> of instruction. You've got the yes. combat sniper courses in all phases of it. You've got the uh, direct action pistol, the direct action AR, direct action shotgun. Uh, you've got uh, shooting from aerial platforms out of uh, helicopters, uh, long-range hunting, uh, women's tactical pistol. You've got citizens' home defense. Uh, you, have, uh, you guys even have EOD operations. Uh, there at your range. Yes, we, uh, you know, we. When I when I talk with my partner, I said, you know, we've we've all been to courses and we've been to companies putting on courses that they were strictly one-sided. You know, whether it be uh, strictly for law enforcement, strictly for military operations. Um, you know, and, and I didn't I didn't want that. You know, I, I wanted it to where, uh, you know. As you can see now, we have a really diverse group of instructors. Um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, U.S. Navy SEALs. We've got Green Berets. We've got Rangers. We've got, you know, law enforcement. Uh, we've got uh, SWAT officers, you know, competition shooters. We've got it. Uh, you know, Marine Marsop. And um, so our... Uh, our core group of instructors, you know, it's it's uh, we have a extremely uh, wide angle, I guess, as far as the background that we're bringing into into our training group, and uh, you know, this group of uh, of uh, phase red instructors, I, I believe, you know, and I'm going to be prejudiced about it, but they're second to none. I mean, these guys, every one of them, uh, fit into our core beliefs. Uh, they fit into being so passionate about uh, firearms instruction, uh, being so passionate about actually caring about our students that come to our courses, you know, and uh, and that, that's something that I didn't want to miss. I didn't want I didn't want it to be a uh, uh, I guess a cookie cutter uh, institution that you know we're just bringing in students and they pay us money and they get a certificate, you know. Um, Right, and I noticed that you guys have uh, a combat tracking course listed also, and uh, I find that very interesting. I'm getting ready to uh, our company here, Battle Road USA, is getting ready to host a uh, five-day combat tracking course in February, and uh, it's something I'm getting. I've really been excited about this for about the last about the last year. Uh, you know, I've really been uh, trying to figure out a way to get this into the schedule. And finally, about uh, 
I guess about uh, six, eight weeks ago, or uh, you know, got it all worked out so that we could have it, and uh, that I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's one of those skills that uh, that people, most people, you know, on the on the face of it, think it's a very archaic skill. You know, it's like why, for what possible reason could would you use that? But you know, every everything you do on this on this planet leaves something behind. No, it's from right. from molecular level. You got DNA, but uh, as you work your way on up, as you walk down the street or the road uh, anywhere, you're going to leave something behind. And sure. to me, it's it's been it's it's just uh, it's been very intriguing to me to learn how to do that. Now I've been certain I've been working on it uh, for a couple of months, uh, you know, myself. But I'm really looking forward to the course that's coming up. We've got. Uh, uh, John Hurth from uh, Tier Group in Louisiana is going to come and teach a five-day course for us. Uh, John is oh, a right. former uh, Special Forces A-Team member. And matter of fact, he, uh, uh, he ran the Army's uh, combat tracking school at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, while they, when the school was there. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But you guys offer combat tracking there at uh, SEPTAC, right? Yes, we do. And that's what, uh, you know, we all sit down and talk. Uh, we've got four owners with SEPTAC, and all of us are, are hunters. And, uh, you know, it originally started with uh, the hunting aspect of it, you know, and that's obviously uh, looking for deer tracks, you know, looking for scrapes, rubs. You know stuff like that, and so now we've broadened it. And of course, we're like, well, let's uh, let's throw it out there and see how it goes. And so it's been uh, it's been really receptive, uh, more so toward the um, toward the law enforcement uh, SWAT teams uh, taking it, <clears throat> and that's just really too because of the uh, the training site that we offer here in Tennessee it is extremely rugged. It's one of the more rugged areas that you're going to get. Uh, so obviously, if you can track someone. You know, and we have we have a uh, role players uh, for our schools, and so uh, you know, you come to a tracking course, uh, then we have people that you're you're hunting down. You know, he, he's he's going to obviously leave uh, some sort of mark uh, or trace behind, and we try to put it out there so that uh, you know it's a it's a winnable situation, and you can find his track, and, uh, right. and so. You know, we've right. we've, we've tracking, got it to where it's a learning uh, learning process. Right, and tracking uh, tracking game animals, deer and stuff like that. We don't have uh, we don't have that many dangerous uh, game uh, opportunities here in the United States. You know, maybe grizzly and cougar and stuff like that, but but not that much dangerous game. Uh, but that's the difference between tracking animals and tracking humans is if you're tracking an animal, uh, it's, you're usually not, you're not as likely to track yourself face down into an ambush where when tracking a human, you may well do that. So even if you're a good tracker, you have to, uh, if you're going to have a team that's going to have to go after uh, an individual who's escaped custody or who's, Who's done something? Then you've got to have a way that you know how the how the the group is going to work as a team. You know, you're going to have the tracker, you're going to have these security folks, the flankers, and and how you're going to operate as a team. 
because right. uh, it's very important uh, when you're working as a team uh, because you have to you have to be able to be secure. The tracker has to feel secure, and then you also have to have everybody watching for uh, you know watching for sign uh, and making sure that you don't track face data to an ambush. I think it's very important, and uh, and it doesn't have to be just for that. I mean, uh, uh, there in Tennessee, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wilderness areas out there, and uh, you've got folks that wander off trails and everything all the time, and uh, and in some cases you may not be able to find them uh, unless you track them. So. I right. think that's a skill that's well worth having, and uh, you're one of the first uh, companies that I've seen that uh, that is offering this. I just thought that was I thought that was really good. <clears throat> what uh, if you could sum up the the SEPTAC philosophy in just uh, in a couple of sentences? What uh, how would you do that? I think it's one of those. Uh, it goes back to uh, you know to being passionate about. Uh, about what we're wanting to get out there, you know, the information that we're wanting to pass on. Uh, you know, we we honestly care about our our students that come through. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's about everyone being and enjoying, uh, you know, being around guns, being around uh, just that atmosphere. And uh, and you know, we're obviously out there. We're wanting to, you know, not only uh, not only put out a, a good uh, for courses and everything, uh, but you know at the same time we're we're still trying to be cost uh, cost efficient. You know we uh, we realize with the uh, economy the way that it is that how much ammo is and and how much it is to uh, uh, you know for gas to drive out to a course or a flight to to come out to us. Uh, so you know as far as a uh, our course uh, uh, cost goes were competitive, you know. But at the same time, is uh, uh, you know we're still we're still uh, keeping up with with uh, you know way the economy is, and, and we want to be fair with everyone, uh, you know. Because yeah, at the end of the day, for us, it is about making money, and, and obviously part of hopefully part of my retirement. Uh, but at the same time, it's you know it's it's what we love doing. You know, we've we've put on courses before. Uh, with bare minimum students that show up to it, you know. But at the end of the day, is we've all learned something. Uh, our students have learned something, and we've met great people. You know, we've made more contacts with it. You know, we've we've right. been allowed to to network with with people that that if you know without SEPTAC uh, and the course that we were putting on, we'd have never met. And so uh, we've built good relationships from that. Right. And if you guys want to know more about this, you can head on over to uh, www.septac.com. Take a look at their website there, about the courses they offer. Take a look at their instructors, because uh, the SEPTAC instructors, uh, you guys, and I don't remember how many of you there are all together, but I know that uh, you guys have uh, 250 years of combined uh, uh, skills, and uh, and that's that's a lot. How many instructors are there with SEPTAC? 
Uh, we're currently at at eleven instructors, and uh, like I said, it's there. You know, we're all from from different backgrounds, and um, you know, it's a it's a, it's a world of knowledge, world of experiences, uh, especially now with um, you know the Iraq and, and Afghanistan uh, wars. You know, all of our guys are coming back, uh, experienced combat veterans, and uh, and not just that, but they're uh, they're good shooters too. Uh, they can really break things down uh, to where uh, even the simple-minded like myself can understand, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know you can you can understand it more. You can see the big picture, uh, learn to shoot, learn to shoot well, and have a great time doing it. Well, that sounds fantastic. So we got about 60 seconds left. Uh, I'd like to ask you real quick. You've got a uh, Septac. Uh, uh, tag out a septac patch that says uh, skookum and uh, tell us yes. about that real quick <laughs> well the skookum and if, and if y'all go to our website and dig a little bit um we we wanted that we didn't want the same thing that everybody had you know top shooter or top student or whatever that it is uh so my partner obviously be, us being you know right here at the foot foothills of the smokies smoky mountains and everything we're we're familiar with uh with the uh Indian names and so on, so forth. But uh, Skookum, uh, we've deemed as meaning devil of the woods, first being in the woods and everything. Uh, so a Skookum, you come to our course, you end up being the top student, you end up with a Skookum tab. Well, that sounds great. Listen, we've got about uh, 30 seconds now. I want to tell you uh, thank you very much for uh, for coming on and, and sharing your experiences with us and sharing your knowledge with us uh, and we want to wish you the best of luck and safety out on your daily rounds there, and uh, and the best with your company with Septac. And uh, thank you. And maybe we can uh, maybe we can talk to you again in a few months and see how things are going uh, with you and have you back on the show. Absolutely, I greatly appreciate it, Michael. All right. Well, thank you very very much. We sure appreciate you coming on. Uh, take care. God bless you and yours. Thank you, Michael. Talk to you later. Coming on. We'll see you guys this next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, we got about one second left. Goodbye, and uh, well, Merry Christmas, everybody, and God bless you all. <clears throat> all right. Uh, I guess that's about it, and uh, I want to wish you guys, like I said, a, a Merry Christmas. God bless and keep every one of you, and uh, we'll see you again uh Next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Merry Christmas,
Tracking who we meet, you call this liberty. 